0: I want you to hear in those words in those words will you go away also he was experiencing and feeling the disappointment of some who had rejected what he was saying or, or not heard what he was saying and turned in offense and walked away from him before they understood what he was saying and, and he had invested in their life and he had loved them and he had prayed for them and he had put his arm around them and he had walked with them and he had loved on them and, and and he had befriended them, and then without explanation and frustration, they got up and they walked out of his life. Anybody ever experienced that? Have you lived on this earth more than a few years? If you've lived on this earth more than a few years, you know what it is like to experience the disappointment when an individual without explanation turns and seemingly rejects you. Whether it's someone you're ministering to and building, uh, building uh, and encouraging and discipling and strengthening, uh, or whether it's someone that, that you're part, part of your family or, or someone that, that is just a, you're in a good friendship relationship with, have you ever had anybody get offended at you, walk away, not explain it, never look back, never explain or, or tell you, and then you go to them and you say, what did I do? And they say, if you don't know... You ever had that? Happens in the life of a pastor all the time. How am to understand that if you've been in Church of Living Water for the 30 years that we've existed, you've seen folks come and go. Well, I'm going to tell you, there's a whole host of folks that have gone that never say a word. After you've invested in them, loved them, interacted with them, and then you get up one day and they're not there anymore and they don't explain. And, 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 and to not build up walls and not walk in a fence and to, to, to follow the example of Jesus and not be put off by that, it, you scratch your head, you don't understand, but there you go. Well, that's life. That's that's life. Life happens to people. But Jesus, I want you to hear in his words, when he said, do you also want to go away? To those 12 that he was closest to, he said, are you going to walk away also? Are you going to get up and walk out of my life? Or are you going to hear what I'm pouring into you? And um, Simon Peter, God bless Peter. Peter's the kind of guy, you love him and you hate him all at the same time. There's times when you're just embracing him and loving him, and then there's other times where you're just like, Peter, what are you thinking? Well, this is one of those times Peter got it right. Peter says to Jesus, Lord, to whom will we go? If we walk away from you, who are we going to go to? He said, you have the words of eternal life, and we've come to believe and understand and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, first of all, I want to talk to you just a little bit about what Jesus said. Jesus said, in in context of of experience me, eat my flesh, drink my blood, experience me, the kind of thing that we have when we have communion together, uh, in in a more literal experience, uh, remembering him. But Jesus said... Uh, In one place in Matthew chapter 16, and verse 24, he said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, let him take up his cross and follow me. We could have said in the context of uh, today's worship, If any man will come after me, let him tear down his walls, let him put aside his own frustration, and let him come and follow me. Jesus is continually saying to us, If you want to come after me, these are the steps that you need to take. And how many understand some of the steps that I needed to take and some of the steps that you needed to take in order to get close to Jesus were different steps? There were things you had to deal with that I didn't have to deal with, but there was some stuff I had to deal with you never dreamed. Because he's that individual and that loving for each of us. But he said to them, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, let him take up his cross... And follow me. And in John uh, uh, chapter 6 and verse 51, uh, we just read, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. Come and experience me and you will live. What powerful words. What powerful revelation and understanding. Jesus' invitation to come and experience him. In Matthew 20 and verse 22, there's this amusing story. These guys, they were called the Sons of Thunder. Uh, and they were, they, were, they were rowdy guys, two of Jesus' disciples. And they, they earned that, that nickname, Sons of Thunder, because they were the guys who, I mean, they would have stood for you, fought for you. They were, they, they were wild guys. Well, their mama decided that they needed to sit on Jesus' right hand and on his left when he came into his kingdom. She was thinking in the natural that he was going to go throw down the Romans and take up the throne and, and, and be the king of the, of the Jews and, and that she wanted her boys in the throne room. How many want your mama to do that for you? I, I was watching a, a, a little clip the other day of, a, of a, a kid who got hurt on the football field and mom come running. Would that not shatter your life? <laughs> mom's out there mom's out there with the, with the medics. Is my boy okay? She couldn't even wait for him to get to the sideline. Well, this is just that kind of situation. These guys are, I mean, they are knockdown, down, drag out kind of guys. And then mom goes to Jesus. When you are king of kings and when you sit on the throne, can one of my boys sit on your right hand or the other one on the left? Was she proud or what? But in the context of that story, Jesus says, You don't know what you're asking. Can your boys handle experiencing what I'm about to experience? Can they do the cross with me? And she didn't know that was what was coming. But he said to them, are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm about to be baptized with? Are you able to endure hardness? Are you able to suffer for the sake of the kingdom? Are you able to pay the price for that chair? You see, for him to come into his place at the right hand of the Father, he had to endure the cross. So he says, you want a chair next to me? Are you able to walk the walk that I'm about to walk? Are you able to endure what I'm about to endure? And of course, they said yes, but they didn't realize what he was about to do. So when Jesus said, eat my flesh, drink my blood, he was saying, are you able to walk with me at that level? Are you able to walk with me at that level? I think that's a good question that we all need to ask. You see, the Bible says that when a man builds a tower, that, uh, that he first sits down and counts the cost to make sure that he has sufficiency to complete the task. If a man decides to go to war, he first makes sure that he sits down and he counts the cost and he measures out the cost to determine whether or not he can defeat the enemy that he's about to go up against before he goes up against him because if he goes up against him and he can't defeat him, he looks foolish. So Jesus says, if you're going to walk with me, listen, listen, I'm the worst evangelist in the world. Dominant. No, I'm the worst evangelist in the world because I say to people, count the cost. You want to walk with Jesus? Tally up. That's what Jesus was saying to those sons of thunder. You want to come with me? Count the cost. Well, in, this, in the context of John chapter 6, Jesus is saying, if you want to participate with me, There's going to be some things that you cannot absorb in your natural mind and in your natural thinking that you're going to experience. Can you eat the bread of life? Can you eat my flesh and drink my blood? Can you walk with me at this level? Oh, there's eternal life and there's blessing and all the things that that he talked about. If if you do this, you, you will never die. You'll have great reward... But, count the cost. I challenge you, count the cost. But let's run after him. Let's count the cost. Let's say that, let's determine that he paid the price. Let's determine that he made a way where there seems to be no way. Let's determine that he has declared that he would, that we would prosper and be in health. And as our soul prospers, let's, let's understand the word of God and, and, and see that he, he desires to uh, strengthen us and bless us and grace us with the ability to run the race. And then let's run. Let's run together. Together we can. Run the race. Together we can be disciples of Christ. Together we can reach the world around us for the sake of the kingdom of God. So let's run together. But... The other thing that I discover in the nature of people, and you've experienced this, we've all experienced this, we've experienced it on one side of this coin or the other. You've either experienced that someone has become offended at you and walked away from you and and didn't give you an opportunity to uh, clarify or or to uh, set things straight. They just walk away in offense. Or you've been the offended. How many have ever been offended? Well, I've discovered something of the kingdom of God. If you have the ability, if you give yourself the liberty, listen, brothers and sisters, if you give yourself the right to be offended, you will. It's just a matter of time. If you extend to yourself the right to have your feelings hurt, if you extend to yourself the right to be offended at your brothers and your sisters, if you extend to yourself the right to be offended at someone around you, eventually you're going to be because you're making place for it. Is that good teaching or good pastoral direction there? Can you receive that? So many people in life spend the majority of their life in a place of offense. And all of these people, Jesus. Listen, Jesus would not have been. Uh, they, they would not have, in those days, written books about his pastoral ability, because he ran off his entire congregation except for twelve guys. He offended the whole lot. Well, it is in the nature of the human heart that if we can be offended, we will be offended. It's in our nature. So we have to choose not to be offended. We have to choose not to wear our feelings on our sleeves. Now, how do you do that without building a wall between you and others? You know that if you build a wall between you and others, you'll never be offended, but you'll also be uh, eternally isolated. How many understand that isolation does not produce anything good when you're part of a body? Isolation produces death. When you're part of a body, if you isolate your hand from your body, it will shrivel up and die. And you'll look at it and you'll say, oh, that used to be my hand. Right? That's what isolation does in the body. So, here's what Jesus said. Um, in, 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 in Luke, uh, John, the, 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 John the Baptist was in prison. Jesus, He had preached Jesus is coming, the the Savior is coming, Messiah is coming, prepare the way of the Lord. He had preached all of these things, and and he had been the, the excellent. Jesus said he was the best in his day ever, John the Baptist. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus said John was the most amazing of all. Jesus held him in high esteem. But Jesus also said to John, or of John, when John was in prison, he was like, hey, wait. If Messiah has come, and if Messiah is out there doing miracles and signs and wonders and healing the sick, why ain't Messiah getting me out of jail? I'm here because of him. I'm here because I was doing what I was supposed to do. There are some of you who are living in your life in difficult situations and your response to the situation is, I'm serving Jesus, I'm loving Jesus, why isn't he getting me out of this? Anybody ever experienced that? That's a very real life situation. I've gone through things, I'm like, God, why are you letting me go through this? Why? I thought our relationship was better than that. Why are you letting me go through hard things here? Why am I having to endure this place of brokenness, this place of difficulty, this place of frustration, this place of lack, this place of want, this place of danger? When those Christians are knelt in the sand and they're being beheaded, I wonder if what's going through their mind is God, why aren't you? I've been preaching jesus why aren't you delivering me from this situation well how many understand this what happened to john he was in prison and he was beheaded well while he was in prison he's sitting in prison and he's thinking you are messiah right well if you are messiah listen do the math if you are messiah what am i doing here I mean, we saw in the book of Acts where Peter and John just praise the Lord and the gates swung open and the chains fell off and the angel delivers them by night. All these wonderful things happen. But here's John wait, how come the gates aren't opening for me? I want to know when Christianity, at what point in, in the Christian experience, particularly in the Western world, we stopped allowing God to be sovereign. I'll just let that sink in. God gets to be God. We get to be vessels. He gets to do what he wants. And you gets to deal with it. (laughs) Right? But anyway, this is what Jesus says to John, This is the message that Jesus sends to John. Blessed are those who are not offended because of me. Now this is Jesus saying this to John before he ran off his whole congregation. This is Jesus saying to him, blessed are those who, who, who just simply don't get offended at me. I have to do what I have to do, you have to do what you're assigned to do, and if your assignment leads you to prison, you have my grace and my strength to endure it. I don't know what we're going to do, church, I don't know what we're going to endure in the days ahead, I don't know what the next generation is going to endure, but if we don't teach the word correctly, they will not be prepared for the grace to endure. The Bible tells us that when it's appropriate, endure hardness as a good soldier. So when things happen that hurt, let the grace strengthen you to endure when somebody walks away. Let the grace of God strengthen you to remain. Listen, the season may come that many, the Bible says many will turn from the faith. You can follow or you can wait upon the grace and the strength to endure. How many know that hard times do strengthen you? They do strengthen you. We don't, we don't want them. I'm not, listen, don't misunderstand me. I'm not praying, oh, Lord, send me a hard time. I need to be stronger. I will not pray that prayer. If you do, bless you, but I'm, I'm not praying that way. Second Corinthians, the apostle was talking about the infirmities and the persecutions and the difficulties that he endured. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you should read it sometime. He said, "I take pleasure in infirmities and want in persecutions. When I am weak, he is strong." <laughs> Hebrews 12:15 said, "Don't let a root of bitterness spring up in you, causing wrong thoughts to be established in you." That root of bitterness, that thing that that when you allow the injury that someone brings to you or the fact that they turn from you without explanation or all that that Jesus experienced, if, if you allow that to take root in you, then what it begins to do is it begins to produce thoughts in you that are unfruitful. And there are many people around you in the course of life that are living out of a thought life that is unfruitful that produces disappointment, that produces anxiety and injury. And all of that thought life is produced from a a moment of bitterness that came out of a decision that someone else made. How many understand you cannot control anyone around you and what they might choose to do. The only thing you can control is your response to it. So you get to control how you respond to the injury that others bring to you. Isn't it wonderful we get all this out of of Jesus' response to a moment of heartbreak? I heard the heartbreak in his voice when he looked at the 12 uh, disciples and he said, "Are are you leaving me also? There was almost like a moment of the fear of being completely alone because everyone walked away in the disappointment of what you said without giving you a chance to explain, to clarify. See the wonderful humanness of Jesus in all of this? This is the Jesus that we serve. He experienced what we experience. I want to help you with something. Others will walk away. Others will walk away from the faith. Others will walk away from your life. Others will walk away uh, from uh, a challenge. They'll make commitments to you that they're going to walk with you, that they're going to work with you, that they're going to work alongside you, and then they'll turn without explanation and they'll walk away from you and they will just shrug and not realize that they've even brought injury most of the time. They don't even think about it, which makes me madder if you really want to get down to it takes me a while to process through that experience i think it took jesus a while to process through this one if you read the context of what's being said but listen when others walk away from the assignment of the kingdom of god When they walk away from the life of the house, when they walk away from the relationships that are being formed as we are the body of Christ and we're being formed together, when others turn from that without explanation, I I love verses like this. uh, To give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. So I'll just go, okay, well, I'm planted. I don't know what you are, but I'm the planting of the Lord. I'm staying rooted in God. So I just want to read a. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, and verse 62, if a man puts his hand to a plow and looks back, he's not fit for the kingdom. In Hebrews 10, 35, he says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence. It has great reward. You have need of endurance. How many, of, how many understand, you, you live your life with endurance and there are people around you who don't have the same level of endurance as you have and so they give up before there's reward. Keep your endurance, stay the course. So he says, you have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you receive the promise. For yet a little while, he who is coming will come and he will not tarry. The just will live by faith. But anyone who draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we're not among those who draw back. So when someone draws back, when someone pulls out, when someone walks away, we say, we're not among those who turn away from the assignment those who turn away from the kingdom, those who turn away from the relationship with the Lord and with one another. John 14, verse 12, Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say, He who believes in me and the works that I do, he will do greater works than these, and he will do them because I go to my Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. I, I'm going to tell you something. You can listen to this. You can come into the kingdom to see what will happen, or you can come into the kingdom to be what will happen. I've decided that we have come into the kingdom to be a move of God in our generation. We have come into the kingdom to be the power of God in our day. We have come into the kingdom to be a move of God in this city. We have come into the kingdom to be what God needed in this generation. To touch this generation for the good of of the, the purposes of God. You can come into the kingdom to see what will happen or you can come into the kingdom and be what will happen. I think we ought to be what will happen in our day. So how do we respond? First of all, we respond in love. Somebody walked away from you. Somebody hurt you. Somebody moved against you. Somebody uh, did evil against you. The Bible says love your enemies. Hebrews 13.1 says this. L- listen to these words. I- I- listen, I want you to unpack this the way that the scripture says it. Let brotherly love continue. Why the word let? Because you have to let it. How many understand that there are times when love is a feeling? When I fell in love with Laura, when I married her, I was in love. I was enamored in love, and we started living together. There were points where she decided to love me. And where I decided to love her. There were days when we determined that we had made a covenant to love because the feeling was not there today. (laughs) The reason that so many relationships end in such great brokenness is because folks don't have the maturity and the discipline to love when they don't feel like loving. But I'm telling you that when Jesus was on the cross, there was no feeling of love. He was in pain and in torment. And he said in the middle of pain and torment with no feeling of love, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. So when he says, let brotherly love continue, when someone does uh, spiteful things against you or when someone does in ignorance hurts you and they don't even know it or realize it, you get to decide to let brotherly love continue. There are so many people who've walked away from deep relationships in the kingdom of God and deep connections in the the house of God where God was about to to set them into places of influence and to move in in their gifts and their callings and their anointings into a place of release. And they walked away just ahead of it because they got injured over some little thing that is really minor in comparison to what God was about to do in their life. And every time we uproot and we move and we have to have a season of rooting down again before fruitfulness can come. Every time you transplant a plant, it has to have a season of rooting before it can produce. It's every time. That we uproot ourselves and we move and we shift and we go, uh, particularly when we go in injury and hurt. There has to be rootedness and healing and all kinds of a process has to start over before we can come to a place of fruitfulness again. And we don't count those things and think those things through. God has called us to be connected to one another in the body of Christ. He's called us to be uh, lovers of the brethren. He says, let brotherly love continue. So we get to decide. We get to decide if we're going to love one another. We get to decide if we're going to walk in love toward him. We get to decide if we're going to be offended or not. You get to decide because somebody's going to say something that's going to tick you off sooner or later. You get to decide. How many of have you ever been in a work environment, uh, particularly a school environment, where you just get, you, you just get the professor or, or the employer, somebody gets up, you work with him and you work with her, and you, boom, boom, team, boom, go. And you're like, I don't even like these people. <laughs> I got put in a car. Where i had to commute with a guy day after day week after week in bible college i had to drive him to work he wouldn't shut up i'm not a morning person 6 a.m all the way to work and i'm like shut up and i went to the lord why did this ha- Why did I get stuck with this guy? What happened? <laughs> and the Lord said, let brotherly love continue. So I would just sit there and endure the morning, not realizing that he was not an evening person, and I would get in the car at the end of the day, and I would go, bla, 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 and he was going. Bla. And I know now, looking back, he was going, make it stop. <laughs> he was never more glad when we got to our destination, he got out of my car. And that went on for months. Let brotherly love continue. Romans 12 and 14 says, Bless those who hurt you. Bless those. Do not call curses down on them. Overcome evil with good. Luke six twenty seven. Listen to this. Listen to this. I love this. Oh, I love this. But to you who are listening, to you who are listening, how many understand not everybody's listening? Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. What? Wait, 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 wait. Did I read that right? Bless those who curse you. Well, there's somebody... speaking against me, praying against me, doing all kinds of things against me. Oh, God, just bless them. Bless them so much that they get a view of you. Imagine praying for someone who's speaking against you. Bless them, Lord, so much that they get a view of you. If they get a glimpse of you, all of this will stop. Greater is he that is in me than he who's in the world. If you decide to speak against me, it can't hurt me, it can't touch me. It's the old, I'm rubber, you're glue. (laughs) Seriously, where do you think that came from? came right out of the Word of God. Everything you say, just bounce off me and stick right back on you, so deal with it. Isn't that wonderful? You guys go home and say, Pastor, preach, I'm rubber, you're glue. Bless those who curse you. So you notice in all the context of this passage, Jesus never said one thing against those who walked away. He dealt with those who stayed. Okay? Out they go, out the door, down the street. Jesus dealt with the whole moment of disappointment. And then he turned to those who were with him and said, are you going away? No, you're not going away? Okay, let's move forward. Let's move forward. No cursing, no no frustration. He didn't tear them up. He didn't say, well, they're on their way to hell. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't pray that <clears throat> the Father would throw a brick from heaven and hit him up the side of the head. <clears throat> it's not the heart of Jesus. So, the first thing you do is love. And the second thing you do is you determine, great passage of scripture in, in uh, Joshua. You determine, Joshua said, you can serve the enemy or you can serve the Lord. You can walk with me in this vision or, or you can walk apart from me. You can, you can go forward with me in the kingdom or you can go your own way. But as for me and my house, as for me and my house, We're going to do what God's called us to do. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to walk together. As for me and my house, we're going to walk in peace. As for me and my house, we're going to bless our enemies. As for me and my house, we're going to lift one another up. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the vision of God in this city. As for me and my house, we're going to stay rooted and grounded in love. As for me and my house, we're the planting of the Lord. As for me and my house, we are trees of righteousness. Our roots are going down deep, and we're going to produce fruit in the kingdom. As for me and my house. So you get to decide that the decision of others is not going to deter you from the assignment of God in your life. You get to decide, if everybody walks away, I'm still walking with Jesus. If everybody rejects him, then I will stand alone in his presence. He'll tell you there are other people. See, the prophet did that. Remember, the prophet says, Oh, God, I'm the last one. He goes, No, you're not. I have countless number of people who have not bowed their knee to the enemy. You're not the only one. I'm the only one going through this. No, you're not. It may feel like it, but you're not. So you make a determination. As for me and my house, he's giving me beauty for ashes. He's giving me the oil of joy for mourning. He's giving me the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I I and my house are trees of righteousness. We are the planting of the Lord that he might be glorified we don't put our hand to the plow and look back. As for me and my house, we will not cast away our confidence. As for me and my house, we'll walk in endurance. As for me and my house, when we've done the will of God, we will receive the promise. As for me and my house, God will be faithful over us. He, he that shall come will come and will not tarry. As for me and my house, we're not among those who draw back. We're not among those who turn back. We're not among those who pull away. As for me and my house... We will work the works of him who sent us and greater works than he did in the earth we will do as for me and my house. We get to decide as for me and my house we'll not walk in offenses. As For me and my house I'm going to let anybody break my heart to the point that I can't function in the earth. As for me and my house, I'm not going to build up walls. As for me and my house, I'm not going to put separation between me and people. As for me and my house, if people do something I don't understand, I'm going to turn to the people that God's called me to labor with and love and, and, and uh, embrace and help and encourage, and I'm going to do that. As for me and my house, I'm going to do exactly what Jesus did when people walked away from him, when people turned their back on him. He turned to the ones who, who were with him, and he said, let's go together. As for me and my house we'll follow the example of Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. But as for me and my house we are determined to accomplish the purposes for which God has sent us. Let's stand together. Pray. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. I was thinking what what would happen? If Jesus' response to that, if he had verbalized everything he felt, like sometimes we do, well, he could have ripped somebody up. No. He just turned to love the people that were there. He turned to love the people that were next to him, the people that, the people that listen, Jesus sent those 70 out and he said, you go preach and the ones that will receive you, then then press on in and and preach and teach and love and heal and deliver. And those that won't receive you, just shake it off. (laughs) Let's be that kind of people. That doesn't mean that hurt doesn't hurt. It does not mean that hurt does not hurt. Hurt hurts. How many understand it? he's there he's experienced it he says don't fear i've overcome the world i've overcome in this area i'll help you